friends, you have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toys and Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper. As always, quick house cleaning. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms. Give it a good review, five-star rating so other people can find the podcast, and leave me those voice messages or hit me up on Twitter at D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R, Facebook.com slash Casper Sports with some commentary, some analysis, your opinions, so we can feature it on an episode of the Man Cave Podcast. We are going to talk some Brewers on this podcast. Brewers taking on the Pirates this weekend. It's go time, guys. Let's go. I get a little animated. I get a little pumped. But I, it's, we got to get we got to get this thing going here, Brewers. Also going to talk some Packers, and that's where we're going to lead things here this morning, or I should say here on this podcast. It is this morning when we're recording it. But... Uh, so, summer break now, kind of for a month. Next time we'll see the Packers going to be training camp July uh, 26th is the first practice. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of people out there, a lot of the national people thinking that eh, Packers aren't going to be that great this year. So, low expectations. There's a couple saying, ah, eh, they might surprise the Packers. So, I created my top five, my top five, reason, top five reasons why the Packers will surprise people and my top five reasons why the Packers will disappoint this season. So, let's get to it. My top five reasons of why I think the Packers could surprise this year. Maybe surprise a little bit. Surprise in the in the definition of alright, 10 wins, maybe a playoff spot or something like that. If we're setting kind of that base at like 5 wins, 6 wins out there, I think surprise would qualify like 9, 10, 11 wins. Um, And then I'll go through my top five reasons of why the Packers will disappoint. So, no particular order. No particular order. I'll go top five reasons the Packers will surprise. One, Jordan Love. Jordan Love will outplay expectations that many... People perhaps have on maybe it's the national pundits or maybe it's maybe it's Packers fans out there. But one reason, one big reason, perhaps if we were to rank them, the number one reason why the Packers will surprise many this year will be because of the play of one Jordan Love. One Jordan Love. He goes out there. No, we're not. I'm not necessarily saying he's got to go out there and play like an MVP, Aaron Rodgers, or or Patrick Mahomes, or Justin Herbert, or Joe Burrow, or anything like that. But he goes out there, and he kind of shows us that, all right, this, this kid's got it. This kid's got it. He, he he's, the, he's the long-term answer here at quarterback. Similar to 2008 Rodgers, you know, um, 2008 Rodgers, for me personally, I can only speak for, for me personally, but heading into that season, I had my questions about Rodgers. Yeah, you, you showed glimpses in that Cowboys game in 07. I remember watching that game. B-dubs here in Eau Claire in college. Packed house had to be there by 3 o'clock because that was one of those games that was on NFL Network and nobody had NFL Network. But uh, I was on the fence. 
with Rodgers. When's the first game? Vikings. So, okay. Was that the last game where the Lions went winless that season? And I know Aaron's talked about this before in the past, but, you know, that was one of his top moments of his life. We're running off that field, and he got, you know, a, a, a round of applause. A lot of the fans still stayed back, and he was the last one to come off the field because he was doing some interviews and such. And he talked about that was kind of that moment where he felt like, he's like, all right, they've accepted me. Packers fans have accepted me. And, you know, Aaron was, he was, you know, not like we, I still don't think after 2008 anybody expected him to be a four-time MVP and, and setting these records and all that sort of stuff. I don't think anybody necessarily expected that. But I think it's it's clear, like, and this maybe it's not the top one for a lot of people, but if I were to rank him, it'd probably be my number one reason why the Packers will be, was, will be a surprise team is that Jordan Love goes out and he balls out and he plays well. Maybe he doesn't play like an MVP, but he doesn't play – you know, like, oh, crap, we have to go into the into the offseason looking for a new quarterback. He plays good football. He plays solid football. So if he goes out there and does that, I think that's a big reason why Green Bay will surprise people this year and maybe be a double-digit win team or maybe be a postseason win team. So Jordan Law is my number one reason. Number two of my top five reasons, I guess I am actually ranking them here, <laughs> but my top Number two of my top five reasons why the Packers will surprise people this year and maybe get more wins or get to the postseason. The Packers defense is a top five unit. This this Packers defense, finally, of all the investment that they have put in, draft picks, first-round draft picks, and a couple signings here and there, this unit is a top five unit. Defensive line. You got Kenny Clark. You got Wyatt coming into his second year. You got Rashawn Gary. Hopefully, we'll start off the season. Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, inside linebackers Quay Walker. Hopefully, he can rebound from a up and down year last year. Get his head on straight. Devondre Campbell, All Pro a couple years ago. Jair Alexander talked about Jair yesterday in the last couple days. I think he's primed to make a bigger leap this year, but also in the leadership category. Packers defense. There's going to be some questions with the with the with the safeties, and I get that. And I and I got questions with the safeties too. There's there's no doubt about it. But if this Packers defense can be like hovering around a top five unit, that will lead to the Packers surprising some people out there this year. They go out there and they're one of the top flight defenses out there, putting your team in position to win games and not putting your offense in deep holes to try to get into shootout situations with a very young offense and an inexperienced quarterback. The pressure's on the D this year to step it up and kind of be the main part of this team, at least initially, the focal part of this team. So if this defense can be around a top-five unit, that is going to be one of the reasons why the Packers will surprise people this year. Um... Offensive scheme, and what, what I what I mean by this is is Matt Lafleur. And I know Matt Lafleur said the other day he kind of chuckles at people insinuating that you know now we're going to see more of a, a Matt Lafleur offense. We've said that, I've said that, and he kind of called out people like me and, and some of us that have kind of you know said that. He's like, yeah, I just kind of chuckle because you know it doesn't make sense and, and all that sort of stuff. But I think it kind of does. I mean, I think we got to be real with it. It was pretty, uh, you know. You got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you, and he's mentioned it before. It's an, he, when he first got there, you know, incorporating some of the stuff that he likes, incorporating some of the stuff that Lafleur wants to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think we're going to see a little bit more of a true Lafleur offense, or maybe we'll call it a true Shanahan uh, offense. And when I say like scheme two, Jordan Love, not all on his shoulders, you know, not throwing hero ball or anything like that, but scheming your wideouts open, being heavy in the running game. Taking what's given to you at times. Not saying you just dink and dunk the whole time. You have to be aggressive and you have to take a couple shots here and there. But playing within the offense. Because what has been like a main criticism in the last few years surrounding like like Aaron Rodgers or the offense? It's like, dude's fo- so focused on one guy, whether it was Devontae or maybe even a little bit Alan Lazard last year, missing open guys, that sort of thing, kind of doing his own thing. Play within the scheme. Get it to the guy who's open. Continuing to matriculate the ball down the field. Coming away with touchdowns. And the other part of this, when you get in that red zone, you're coming away with touchdowns and not field goals. Can't get into a kicking game. Can't get into just kicking field goals all the time. If this offense has an opportunity to score the ball and get into the red zone, you better come away with touchdowns more times than not. Can't always settle for field goals. Number four, Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones goes out there, and I think we kind of all know Aaron Jones has the ability to do this, but if Aaron Jones goes out there and, and the Packers give him this opportunity to do so, give him a chance to do so, to do this, goes out there and balls out. He is the main part of this offense. He is the focal part of this offense. Passing you know, he's involved in the passing game, obviously involved in the running game, but he's a multi-tool running back that can that you can incorporate in different ways. So if the Packers allow him to do that, if they incorporate him in there a little bit in that passing game, obviously a focal part in the running game, and he goes out there and he balls out, that's what's going to help out this offense. That's what's going to help out a young quarterback. And that's what's going to help out this team maybe kind of surprise some people. And kind of related to that is my fifth one here, winning the time of possession. Time of possession, I think, is going to be a huge factor for this team. And it's going to be a tough task for a very young and inexperienced offense to go out there and consistently win time of possession against other teams. Because I think we're all expecting to see some ups and downs with this offense, some growing pains with this offense. But if this offense can go out there and consistently win time of possession against their opponents, like 38 minutes, 40 minutes, holding on to that football, moving it down the field, but also kind of going back to that point about offensive scheme and and coming away with touchdowns instead of field goals. But if this offense wins time of possession, that's going to be, I believe, a key factor in this team surprising some other teams or surprising people and winning more ball games than what a lot of people are expecting from this ball club. So a little bit of an unorthodox pick there, I get it, but I'm a big believer in time of possession. I'm a big believer in that, and it keeps your defense fresh. There's going to be a lot of pressure on this defense this year. That, and, and I think we're expecting a jump. We want a jump with this defense. That doesn't necessarily mean we want them out there more than the offense. 
So keep them fresh out there. Keep them ready to go. Win that time of possession battle. So my five, my top five reasons why Packers will surprise people this year. Jordan Love, number one, numero uno. Uh, Packers defense being around a top five unit. The Matt LaFleur slash Packers offensive scheme. For Aaron Jones just balling out. Being the main weapon on offense. And then time of possession. Winning that time of possession battle. So, what about the top five reasons for me that I think the Packers will disappoint this year? Top five reasons why they will maybe disappoint or, or I guess, hit those expectations or lack thereof expectations that many people have on this team. Well, my number one reason is, this, is the same number one reason as why they will surprise. It's Jordan Love. So Jordan Love was my number one reason why they will surprise. Jordan Love is my number one reason why the Packers will disappoint. All because we have no idea what to expect from Jordan Love. He is the ultimate wild card on this team. No idea. We don't know how he's going to play. We all have thoughts. Some are more adamant than others that they know for sure that he's going to be a bust. Truth of the matter is, we have no idea how number 10 is going to play out. If he plays well, Packers are going to win more games. If he struggles big time this year, then we got questions heading into the next offseason about the quarterback position. If it looks like he's uncomfortable out there, if it looks like it's just not clicking, if it just looks like he's not playing well, well, yeah, then the Packers are going to play up to the low expectations that a lot of people have for him this year. And the reason why a lot of people have low expectations for the Packers this year is because of Jordan Love. Whether they don't believe he has it, or it's just simply because we don't know what to expect. So Jordan Love's number one. Number two, Joe Barry. Joe Barry is a, probably the one coat. You know, Matt LaFleur is under a microscope or a spotlight, but Joe Barry is in a do or is in a put up or shut up position this year. No more excuses. No more reasons. Outside of the health and injury one, but I digress. This Packers team in the last few years have invested so heavily on defense. First round picks, making a couple signings here or there, keeping their core guys like Jair and and, and uh, Kenny Clark and signing Devondre Campbell to a bigger deal, Rasul Douglas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Joe Barry cannot do what they did last year. And he noted it. He's like, we can't, we can't start off like we did last year. Guy's got to go out there, trust his playmakers, trust his main players out there. He's got to do a better job calling games. He just has to do a better job, period. Because if this Packers defense is going to have its ups and downs like they did for, what, 75%, 70 75% of the season last year, this team ain't going to win game, hardly any games. We, we're expecting the offense to have its growing pains. Defense can't have any growing pains this year. There's no excuses for that. There's no reasons for that. So if Joe Barry is going to go out there and, and not do a good job calling a game or, or have some poor game plans, defensive schemes, this team ain't going to win a lot of games. So Joe Barry's number two on my list. And related to, to number three, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but the defensive talent, this is my number three reason, the defensive talent doesn't play to the expectations that we all have of them. I just mentioned all those first-round picks that they've invested the last few years. Kenny Clark, 
Devontae Wyatt, um, Quay Walker, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander. Hell, throw in Darnell Savage. He's a first-round pick on there. Lucas Van Ness, Rashawn Gary. These are all first-round picks that the Packers have invested in in the last few years on the defensive unit. You add in Devondre Campbell, who was a free agent signing. Under the radar one, he goes out, gets you an all-pro, he gets a bigger contract. Rasul Douglas, nobody knew who the heck he was. Comes in, plays well, earns a big contract. So those two guys are under big deals. If this defensive talent doesn't play up to the expectations, doesn't play up to the level that we all expect of them, the team ain't going to win a lot of games. So yes, Joe Barry is under a big spotlight, is, is, is under that microscope, but if these players don't play up to their capabilities, Kenny Clark isn't dominating the line of scrimmage. Quay Walker is getting ejected from games like he was last year. Jair, whoever, you know, Eric Stokes, struggling in coverage. They're getting flagged for pass interference and all. These players aren't playing up to their level, aren't playing up to the expectations that we have or they have of themselves too. This team ain't winning a lot of games. Four. Special teams reverts to what it was before last year or before the back end of last year, if you will. You know, when Keyshawn Nixon was there returning, you know, kicks, they finally made the move to him. If the special teams unit reverts back to its old ways, back to its poor play, and I will throw in the rookie kicker. You got a rookie kicker coming in here. Great, he was good in minicamp. Okay. Let's see it outdoors, in Lambeau Field, on the road, in the environment. 80,000, an opposing defense, all that sort of stuff. You got a rookie kicker coming in here. Raise your hand if you're going to be nervous every time that rookie kicker is going to go out there. Me, I'm nervous. I am nervous. I'll be nervous until I see it consistently. We've been spoiled with Mason Crosby. Yes, Mason went through his ups and downs, and yes, I still got nervous whenever Mason Crosby went out there and performed some kicks. But I'm going to be more nervous this year with a... With a rookie kicker who one of his downfalls in college was accuracy issues. He's got a leg, got a powerful leg, but his percentages were down a little bit. Factor that in special teams and a special teams unit. If they revert back to their old ways where they can't cover punts or they're allowing blocked kicks or punts, no thanks. How many times, I mean, do I need to bring, we're talking about the games that you can change an outcome of. 49ers, Packers, blocked punt. Don't want to see that anymore. And then five of number five for my top five reasons why the Packers will disappoint this year. Sophomore slumps or rookies slowly acclimating to the to the pace of the NFL. I'll start off with the sophomores. You hear about the sophomore slumps. Who are the sophomores this year? Devontae White, Quay Walker, the big ones. you got Zach Tom, also on the offensive line there too. Right? Uh, Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs. Guys who are going to be asked to play bigger roles. Now, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and, and Quay Walker last year were asked to play big roles. But you hear about the sophomore slump. Those guys can't afford to have a sophomore slump. Devontae Wyatt's going to get more playing time this year. He can't afford to have a sophomore slump. 
none of these sophomores, Zach Tom, you know, is is battling for a starting spot, looks like at right tackle. They can't afford to have a sophomore slump this year. They can't. Offensively, Watson and Dobbs, they're your veterans in this wide receiver group right now, in that wide receiver room. They're your veterans. They're the leaders. They're your one and two. They can't go out there and experience that sophomore slump. They, just, they can't afford it. Devontae Wyatt barely played last year, and now he's going to be a starter with Kenny Clark on that line. He can't afford it. That defensive line needs to be consistently putting the pressure on the quarterback, collapsing the pocket, and stopping the run. He can't afford to have a slump when he barely saw the field last year. Quay Walker yeah, made some good play. Up and down for a rookie. Okay. The ejection thing was that got out of hand. That can't happen. He can't have a sophomore slump. And if Zach Tom is going to be a starter, mm-mm, he can't experience that slump either. Can't that that offensive line? There's going to be a lot of pressure on that offensive line to open up holes in the running game. And if I, honestly, I wish I could have put offensive line. I should have put offensive line probably in my top five. But that offensive line is going to be under a lot of pressure this year to open up holes in that running game for Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and protecting Jordan Love. Jordan Love, probably going to have some happy feet at times. Might see a little bit more scrambling than what we've seen the last couple of years. But the protection for Jordan Love, you're probably going to see, now I really wish I would put offensive, I might switch out offensive scheme and put offensive line in there. But you're probably going to see more teams go out there and blitz Jordan Love and put pressure on him and try to rattle him. More than than what we've seen because teams who try to blitz Aaron Rodgers usually got burned. Aaron, throughout his career, has had one of the better passer ratings against teams blitzing. And you're probably going to see, at least initially, to see how he reacts. Teams are probably going to put more pressure on Jordan Love. So Zach Tom, if he's going to be a part of that, that starting group, that starting offensive line, he can't afford to be in a slump. He's a part of the solution to stop those teams from constantly putting the pressure on Jordan Love and opening up holes for the running game. How do you stop down a consistent pass rush? Being able to run the football. And then, so that was the sophomore slumps. The other part of that is the rookies. Lucas Van Ness, you know, we'll see on the Rashawn Gary thing that's still up in the air. He's going to be a part of the rotation. Will he be a starter right away? Again, depends on Rashawn Gary. And maybe they don't necessarily have him as a starter right away, even if Rashawn Gary doesn't start off the season. I don't know what the plan is, but he's going to be part of the rotation. But offensively, you've got a couple of rookies who are going to be asked to be contributors right away. Tight ends specifically. Musgrave. Kraft. Musgrave's probably going to be the leader in the clubhouse for number one. But you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. Probably going to see a lot of 12 personnel. Maybe even a little 22 personnel. I don't know. Two running backs, two tight ends. You guys know that. But these rookies, I mean, how how are they going to acclimate? How quickly can they acclimate to the play at the NFL level? How quickly can they be contributors to this team? Like a Musgrave. How quickly can he be a go-to target and a weapon for Jordan Love? Lucas Van Ness, how quickly can he be an effective pass rusher and getting in the backfield and making plays on the defensive side. 
How quickly can Reed be a slot receiver for, for Love? Kid from Michigan State. How quickly can he affect games? Maybe he gets involved you know, in, in some punt returns too. How quickly can that rookie contribute to this team? Because if they're slow, if there's if if, Mus, if if Musgrave's going, you know, is developing a little slow, or Reed's developing a little bit slow, or Van Ness isn't out on the field hardly, like kind of like what Wyatt was maybe last year. I ain't helping out the ball club. A lot of those rookies, they're going to be asked specifically. You know, a lot of them you could say, well, they're going to be part of the rotation and such, except for the tight ends. Probably going to get more playing time right away. But how quickly they get acclimated? Because if they don't, they don't contribute right away. Then you question some of the depth. So to kind of recap, my top five reasons why the Packers will disappoint this year: Jordan Love. He's the same number one for why they will surprise. We just don't know Jordan Love. Number two is Joe Barry. Number three, defensive talent not playing up to their expectations. Number four, special teams reverting back to what they were before at the halfway mark last year, if you will. And I'm including a rookie kicker in this. And the sophomore slumps or the rookies, how quickly they can uh, how quickly they can develop in being contributors right away. My honorable mention that I should have put in here was offensive line. Because I think offensive line for this team is going to be such a huge factor. Huge factor. Opening up those running lanes but also protecting Jordan Love because we know Jordan Love's got legs and he's probably gonna we're probably gonna see Jordan Love scrambling here a little bit. But you are going you are going to see teams who are gonna go out there and try to put pressure on him right away, trying to collapse the pocket so he can't necessarily step up and have a free run. And try to give him a little happy feed and try to get him to see some ghosts out there. So if that offensive line can go out there and provide that protection. Make them feel comfortable. Make them feel safe back there. They'll pay a lot of dividends. Summer is a busy time. Holidays, vacations, get-togethers, which also means you're going to need a lot of food. So you need a go-to place you can trust that has the widest selection of products with the best prices and the best fuel saver program in the Chippewa Valley. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From their meat department, deli, bakery, and more, Hy-Vee has you covered for all those get-togethers and vacations for this summer. Plus, save more money for your vacations with their epic fuel savers program. Make it a memorable and epic summer with the help from Hy-Vee. Have you started planning your summer vacations yet? Making that checklist of things you need to do before that vacation? Now let me ask you the next question. Are you confident your vehicle can handle that road trip that you're planning? If you hesitated, the answer is no. So here's what you do. Just visit Toys and Ford and check out their new and used inventory to upgrade that vehicle of yours. Or you can schedule an appointment with their service center to get your vehicle ready for that road trip. Make your vacations this summer more memorable with the help from Toys and Ford. Brewers getting set to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight. First pitch, 7-10. Tomorrow, got a little afternoon action for a Saturday game. 310 and then on Father's Day on Sunday 110 on the mound tonight for the uh, for the Brewers is Julio Turan. Julio Turan has developed into kind of a fun story for the Brewers so far this year. Remember I mean he was essentially signed because the Brewers were all banged up and hurt and running out of pitchers to throw out there so the day he was signed he got that start 
and he was a former all-star two-time all-star back in the day with uh, with the Braves but last few years he's he's been struggling and kind of struggling to find a place to that really fits him and just his play has just been really poor and not able to hang on to a team so you know when he was first signed up I think there wasn't a whole lot of high expectations for Julio you know maybe a especially with with fans for Brewers fans be like nah okay not really counting on him for a whole lot Brewers wise might have been like okay just a guy that eats up some innings so we don't always have to you know use our bullpen such you know you're probably thinking okay just maybe eat up five innings and hopefully doesn't allow too many runs out there but this dude in his four games that he has played so far for the Brewers you just got to tip the cap to him because I think it's easily easily fair to say that he has exceeded expectations now odds are he's going to have a hiccup he's going to have a poor game you you don't like to say that you hope that doesn't happen but odds are he's probably going to have a poor game at some point Uh, you hope it's not tonight so the Brewers can end this six game losing streak to the team that they're chasing in the uh, in the division right now you hope it's not tonight but odds are at some point he's probably gonna have a call he's probably gonna have a couple but his last four games in the only four games he's played for the Brewers, he has pitched very well. All high-quality starts. But he's also been the pitcher that has gotten the worst luck. He is that pitcher this year, it seems like. And I feel like we've been kind of talking about a pitcher almost every year. But he is the pitcher that has gotten the worst luck in terms of freaking run support. So in his four games that Julio Tehran has has pitched, has started for the crew, First of all, his records one and two, and I know finally you know the last few years we've you know kind of not focused so much on win loss records. It's it's quality starts, and you're looking at other numbers and such. But you know one and two, but he's got a one point four eight ERA, and so far this year in his four games, he has struck out a total of sixteen batters, and he has walked a total of three. He has given up a total of four earned runs in his four starts. The most he gave up was that loss against Cincinnati back on June 5th where he gave up two earned runs. He's gone five innings, six innings, six and a third, and he's coming off of a seven-inning outing against Oakland where he struck out six, issued one walk, one earned run, no decision. You look, the one win he had was back on May 31st against Toronto where he went six. And that was the game, I believe, that was the game where they didn't have any, and the, the entire pitching staff of the Brewers didn't issue one strikeout, didn't strike out one batter, and didn't issue one walk. That was, that was the one win he had. His two losses was his first game, the 25th against the Giants, where he went five innings, gave up four hits, one earned run, struck out five, one walk. Uh, the other one, Oakland, his latest one where he went seven, picked up a no decision, but he struck out six, issued with just one walk, one earned run. And the game that he issued two earned runs or he got charged with two earned runs, two solo shots. So Julio Tehran has been the dude that has just had the worst luck in terms of like offensive support. And when you look at who's pitching for the Pirates tonight, you're thinking, oh boy, is he going to get any run support again tonight? It's the... Well, he's he's the old man of the group, forty-three-year-old Rich Hill, who's six and five with a four-point-two-three ERA. None of that matters. The only thing that matters 
is the guy is a left-handed pitcher. And anybody who's been following the Brewers this year knows this team, for whatever reason, cannot flip and hit left-handed pitching. Throw somebody out there, I don't care whose name it is or maybe even how old they are or how their season is going, if it's got LHP right next to it, left-handed pitcher, you're thinking, oh, crap. Here we go again. Are the Brewers even going to do anything against a left-handed pitcher? Someone's like, all right, going up against a 43-year-old man. He is 6-5, and 4.23 and 13 games started this year. But he's a left-handed pitcher. That's like the, the main thing now I think we're all looking for or looking at Whenever the Brewers are going up against a team, it's like, okay, they, they throw they throwing out a left-hand pitcher? Is that team, is, are they starting a left-hand pitcher? No? Oh, okay. Maybe we got a shot. They are? Oh, crap. So that's what's on the mound tonight. Tomorrow, we see the return of Wade Miley. Wade Miley back with the club. A little bit sooner than I think everybody initially expected, which, awesome, good. Getting a little healthier. Got Luis Urias back a couple weeks ago. Got Wade Miley back. Maybe Brandon Woodruff right before the All-Star game or perhaps better shot now after the All-Star game, but getting closer. But we got Wade Miley back. Now the question is with Wade Miley is which version are we going to get? Are we going to get the Wade Miley that we saw in April where it was giving us flashbacks of that 2018 season. It's like, oh, dude, yeah, all right, Wade Miley. Another buy low, exceeding expectations kind of pick. Or are we going to get the Wade Miley that we saw right before he got hurt? And talking about that Dodgers game where he went five innings and gave up seven earned runs. And then, you know, he played in that Cardinals game for, he couldn't get through two innings, but went one and two-thirds, giving up a hit and one earned run so not really a whole lot you can gauge from that game so which version are we gonna get we're gonna get the april wade miley where he was three and one with a 1.86 era or we're gonna get the dodgers game wade miley remains to be seen obviously we're all hoping it's going to be the april version where he comes in and you know doesn't uh he's not going to give up a whole lot of, you know, walk. I mean, in April, he gave up a total of four walks. He had three in one game. And it was that loss against Arizona. But through the month of April, he gave up four total walks. Issued four total walks. Three of them coming in just one game. Just one game. And in the month of April, he only gave up two home runs. In three games in May, he, uh, he gave up four home runs, three of them coming in that game against the Dodgers. So you're hoping Wade Miley, he's good, he's 100%, he's ready to go, and hoping hoping that we get the April version of Wade Miley back. We'll see. We'll see. We probably won't know until we see you know at least a couple starts from him. But positive side here, at least right now, the... Brewers will only have to face one left-handed pitcher in this series, according to the announced starter so far. So Keller's getting the getting the start for the for Pittsburgh on Saturday. He's had a good season, though. He's eight and two, but he's a righty. So it's like, all right, fist pump going up against a righty. And then Sunday, it's Freddie Peralta going up against Ortiz. And it's uh, another righty, another righty. He's like, all right, fist pump. Don't have to go up against a lefty. 
But Freddie Peralta, 5-6 and six right now. And you're looking at his trend. He's coming off of a loss against Oakland where he went five innings, four earned runs. Four earned runs. In fact, his last three games, he's 0-2. He's 0-2 right now with a no decision against Baltimore back on the uh, uh, back on the 6th. And you're looking at... Um, you're looking at Freddie Peralta, and he's struggled a little bit here since his month of April. So in April, April he went, he started five games. He was three and two, but he had a three point seven seven ERA. And in those two losses, I mean, he allowed five earned runs against the Padres and four earned runs against Boston, but he had a respectable three point seven seven ERA. May and so far in June, it hasn't gotten any better for Freddie Peralta. In fact, you can make the case it's gotten a little worse. He finished the month of May two and two with a five point six one ERA. Uh, and then so far in June here, he is zero and two with a five point oh six ERA. So. We need to see a better version of Freddie Peralta here now. And it's got to start this week. And we, this guy, you know, we got to see better performances from Freddie Peralta. Not saying he's the lone reason or he's a, you know, huge top two reason of why this Brewers team's at 500 right now. But we got to see a little bit better from, from Freddie Peralta than what we've seen in the last month and a half. And I think he would say the same thing. And I think Craig Council would probably say the same thing too. And I know one of those games in May, it's that San Francisco game, you know, where he gets charged with four and runs and just two and a third, and that was when, you know, Willie Adamas got hit. Everybody was shaken up in that game. So, you know, how would he have continued to play throughout that or pitch throughout that game? Who knows at this point. But even with, you know, we're going through these pitching matchups, it's going to come down to the offense in this series. Again, you know, Christian Yelich has been playing really well. But as Craig Council said the other day, too, it's going to take a little bit more than Christian Yelich. Other guys are going to have to step up and be consistent at the plate. I just want to see this team score some runs early. Put put the Pirates in a hole, okay? Get the crowd in it right away. You're, in your, you're at AmFam. You're in Milwaukee. You're in your home stadium. The last time, you know, your fans in Milwaukee saw you. You got swept by Oakland. Okay? You got swept by Oakland. That's the last time the home crowd saw home crowd saw you. I'm sure there was plenty of Brewers fans over Minnesota. But your offense needs to come to town. You it, it needs to it needs to show up. You you need to put up some big numbers early in this thing. Give give your pitching staff something to work with and I know at times you know they've given them some runs and the pitching staff has kind of given a couple back and and made it a little bit closer here but one thing too with this team that has shown out as a consistent a constant thing so far this year has been their inability to make a lot of comeback wins and it feels like whenever the Brewers get in a hole and get in a hole early they can't climb out of it for whatever reason they can't climb out of it so this offense, you got to do something different. You got to do be I don't know more creative. You've got to be more aggressive at the plate. You've 
got to get base runners on, but get those runners across to home plate. Manufacture some runs. Get those. You've got runners in scoring position. Get them across home plate. Got to do something different with this offense. Got to shake it up. How do you do that? I, I, I don't know. And I don't think the Brewers know right now. I don't think Craig Council knows right now. Pour a little extra rum in Joe Boo's cup. Sacrifice the live chicken. Whatever you got to do. But this offense has got to get it going at a more consistent level. I mean... I hate to say this, but are we kind of wasting Christian Yelich's offensive play right now for crying out loud? I mean, the guy's hitting very well. And it's not just his last 20-some at-bats. It's his last over 100 at-bats. The guy is hitting well at the top of the lineup. Are we kind of wasting Christian Yelich performing pretty darn well from an offensive side? Maybe. So, other dudes. Thomas, Telez. Help them out. Everybody, on board. Let's go. You're kind of playing with house money right now, for crying out loud. This division stinks. You're 500 and you're a half game back. You're on a six-game losing streak and you're only a half game back from first place because the Cubbies actually did you a favor and swept the Pirates. And the Cardinals are still in last place. This division stinks, yet you still got a shot to win this thing. And I know we're not quite halfway there. We're not at the All-Star break. A lot of season left. But how much longer can we be playing with this house money? How much longer can we be playing with fire here? It only takes a team or two to go on a little bit of a run, and then all of a sudden things start to get separated. And then all of a sudden you're too far back to make a run. Ah, Come on. Be that team that makes that run. Be that team that makes that run and wins a bunch of games, and then all of a sudden you're separating yourself from the pack from the rest of this division. You're up five games, six games, over the Pirates or or over the Cubs or whoever it may be. Let's go. Stop twiddling your thumbs and let's let's put up some runs and put up some W's on this board. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And we will see you again on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks again to Toyson Ford and Hy-Vee for being our, our sponsors on the Man Cave Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast couple of quick reminders for you don't forget to follow and subscribe to the man cave podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like apple spotify google stitcher amazon or wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can leave us a voice message whether it's a comment analysis or a question for a question and answer segment just get that link in the podcast description also don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast. <laughs>